You are getting an on-air coaching call on women taking the lead. Because most things I, I, you know, I come up with, it's a good idea for my business. And then I take the steps and it happens. And this is just not happening. I've done a few things like I recently, because I'm thinking other professionals would come in. So I have taken the step of like bringing it up to someone and we have a coffee date scheduled to talk about it. But it's like pulling the trigger on this thing is not happening. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for being here. I have something special for you today. I have another on-air coaching call, and this time I'm with Allison Bishop. And just to give you a little bit about Allison, she's a financial coach in the Portland, Maine area. She's been a CPA for more than 20 years. First, she was working in forensic accounting and then tax preparation. Her experience in preparing people's taxes really demonstrated for her the lack of basic financial literacy and discomfort around money that many people have. And I think we're going to be talking about this a little bit more um, later in, in the call. And she realized her calling was to educate people about financial literacy. And in the fall of 2015, she started her financial coaching business so that she could sit down with people on an individual basis to help them make informed and purposeful decisions that support their financial goals. And a little bit about her personal side, and this one always boggles my mind. Not that she lives outside of Portland with her husband, but she has four children. Like she does so much and is an amazing mom to four kids. And she spends her free time hiking, kayaking, paddleboarding, snowshoeing, doing yoga, and voraciously reading. She is a mana, like this woman, loving the outdoors. And I met Allison through um, doing some local business workshops. And I remember when I met her and she talked about um, who she was working with, um, her ideal clients and what she helped them do and how she supported them. And she was so passionate. And so I could just tell Allison that you were in love with the work (laughs) that you were doing um, and just got so energetic and lit up about it that I was instantly drawn to her and remembered her. And we recently had an opportunity to also do some work together. Allison took the energy leadership assessment. And if you've been listening to this podcast for any time, you know, I talk about it quite a bit because it is the starting point. Um, It's like the, the entryway. Uh, into the women taking the lead coaching that I do. And um, so I'll actually, you've all probably heard me talk about it time and time again. I'm going to hand this over to Allison. Allison, what was your experience like taking the energy leadership assessment and then debriefing your results? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I always like to know more about myself. And also, um, a lot of times when I find out more about myself, I find out more about other people. I'm constantly applying what I've learned to other people. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, how many questions is it? I, 70? 70. Yeah, but it goes, it went quickly. Um, I remember sitting there taking it and it was, it was pretty easy for me to answer all the questions. I was probably doing two or three a minute. So um, yeah, it went pretty quickly. And I was pretty confident about my answers to most of those questions. Yeah. And then you sent me the 
assessment or the the report. Yeah, the report, um, which of course it says multiple times, please do not try to understand this yourself. <laughs> please wait for your debrief. Um, and it was, it was really interesting. Um, once you started going through it and explaining all the levels and then sort of applying my answer or applying, you know, what you saw in my answers. And there was, I, there was a lot that you said that resonated with me. Um, a lot of it sounded familiar. A lot of the things that you said that I probably struggle with, indeed I do. Um, and then a lot of the things that you identified as strengths of mine, I sounded very familiar to me. Um, so it was interesting. I really enjoyed it. And then of course, um, after it in the, I don't know, it's been probably what, two or three weeks since we talked. Um, I, you know, I'm definitely looking at things in a different way and kind of looking at it in through the lens of the energy levels. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting. I, I, it was a, an interesting way to find out some things about myself. Yeah. And what was the biggest impact that it it's had on you in regard to your day-to-day life? I would say the biggest impact is, um, kind of, I, I would call it reframing, you know, um, looking at something that before I might've looked at as a problem as now as an opportunity. Mm. Um, and just looking at things kind of through a different lens and also stepping back and, um, I don't know, um, just recognizing things maybe that I didn't recognize before or recognizing things as being in my control. Um, whereas before it was sort of like, well, this is the situation. Um, and now, some of those things I can see as there's something I can do about that. Absolutely. It definitely creates greater awareness. And people have said to me after, you know, completing the debrief, and then sometimes people will follow up with me a couple of weeks later, which we've had that opportunity too. But a lot of the reports I get back is I'm calmer. I feel more in control. I'm tackling that to-do list now, or I've started that project that I've been putting off. So in it definitely, it, what I love about it too, is it's a ripple effect. Like it's like the, you know, taking the assessment online and yeah, it is really quick. It takes about 20 minutes, then getting your report and reading it over. And I typically, I was laughing when you said that it says a few times not to <laughs> interpret it. And I, but with intention, try not to send it any closer to the debrief than 24 hours. Cause I don't want somebody to be like, cause I know the type of person I am. My mind would be spinning about it for days if I got it too far in advance, but I want people to have time to read it over, write down any questions they have. But, and then the debrief, it's like the, a stone dropping in the pond and it can have a ripple effect and, you know, being conscious of it. Cause that's what it creates is more awareness and more consciousness of what things are triggering us and how we can respond, you know? And if you think about it, because, um, and for those of you who aren't aware, this report breaks out our react, our, like how we take information in and then react back into seven different levels. All of a sudden you realize like, I have a choice. Like I've been doing it this way, or this has been bothering me, but I can choose something different. I can choose not to let this bother me, or I can choose to respond to it differently. Um, And what I love hearing is it can just get better and better and better. The more you realize how much power you have, the more you kind of play with it. Like, oh, if I have power in this situation, maybe I have power over here too, and I can do things. So that is super exciting. 
Um, and I think, you know, f- for our coaching today, because this is the way I work with my clients, I do try to, you know, refer back to, you know, what came out of the debrief, what was, you know, and, and from what you said, it's not like anything was truly shocking to you or anything like you, at, at no point were you like, that's not me, or I've never been aware of any of this, but there was more awareness in terms of, oh, yes, I'm aware of this, but I didn't realize the impact it was having, or I didn't realize I could look at it a different way. So, you know, as much as possible, we'll come back to this um, just to continue the work of applying this information to your life and seeing where, you know, there's, there's more to be gained from it, where you can get more calm, more energy, and more active. So without much further ado, Allison, what would you like some support with today? One thing that I've noticed is in my financial coaching, I reach, I have a certain demographic that reaches out to me and that's, and mostly age-wise, it's people typically, I don't get many people younger than 40 and I get people up to sort of retirement age. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would love to reach younger people because, and I would love to get to them before, you know, before they get themselves in a lot of water, hot water financially. Um, you know, while they still have time on their side as far as, you know, saving for retirement and, you know, not not going down a path of like getting themselves deeper and deeper into debt. Um, but no 25-year-old is going to come pay to come see me unless either A, they're drowning in student loan debt or B, their parents are paying. Um, and so I've been in business for three and a half years and probably at least a year and a half ago, I came up with this idea of doing kind of a group coaching thing for younger people, um, younger people, meaning people in their twenties. And so I, and I've even sketched it out. I think, you know, it would be four sessions and this is what we would talk about. And I don't know why I haven't made it happen yet. Um, because most things I, I, you know, I come up with, it's a good idea for my business. And then I take the steps and it happens. And this is just not happening I've done a few things like I recently, cause I'm thinking other professionals would come in. So I have taken the step of like bringing it up to someone and we have a coffee date scheduled to talk about it, but it's like pulling the trigger on this thing is not happening. And so I've been thinking a lot, you know, knowing I was coming on here and I'm like, um, I don't know, do I really want to do it? Is that the problem is that I don't really want to do it. So that's why it's not happening. Cause I think it's a good idea. <laughs> I think it would be valuable, I think a fear I have around it is that nobody would come. You know, how would I get it out to the people in the demographic I'm looking for? I don't know. Those are sort of the the struggles that I'm having. And I don't know why I'm not really taking action. But like, if you go back all my to-do lists, it's always at the bottom. Group coaching, it's always there. Like, mm-hmm. it's under the don't forget category. Yes. <laughs> don't forget to do this. <laughs> Like, don't let this go. And so I've taken notes. I have all kinds of things. And I don't know why it's overwhelming. I feel like if I did it once, I could, you know, it would be not a big deal. I could offer it a couple times a year, but getting through and, and like pulling the trigger and doing it this first time is overwhelming to me. And it's just not happening. Oh my God. I love everything you're saying. I'm laughing to myself about the like, 
an item on your to-do list actually being a do not forget this item because, and you probably have other people laughing with us because I have items on my to-do list where I'm like, I know there's no way I'm going to get to this, but I don't want to forget about it either. Right. So if it stays here, it will torment me. Yes, but I won't forget about it. So, okay. So what I'm hearing is your typical client is between their, you know, age 40 and retirement. And it sounds like you're having to do some unraveling for them. Like Mm -hmm. they've choices in the past that, you know, really um, did some damage um, to their financial stability or their ability to do what they want with their money right now. And so initially the work you're doing is triage. And so I imagine as you're working with these people um, who I know have, I know some of your clients and they are lovely, lovely people, but you're probably thinking while you're working with them, if I could have met them 10 to 15 to 20 years ago, this would be a totally different story. They oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And sometimes they say, oh, I wish that I had, con- you know, I, I wish I had known about you 10 years ago. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And since, you know, right in, um, you know, when I was introducing you um, at the beginning, those, those are things that are in your bio, like this, this passion for financial literacy. Like this is one of your core values. Like this is what you're bringing to the world. Like I want people to be financially literate so they can have the life that they want, that they, so they have more choice. They have more power. You and I are both about that. Like I want people to have more choice, more power, but they need to know you know, what they're doing with their money. And I think money is absolutely one of those topics where it's on one hand, it's a very simple thing to understand, but it can be so complicated that we're, and we're frightened of it. Like a lot of us. Yeah, go ahead. There's a lot of emotion tied up in it. There's shame and guilt and, you know, I mean, some happy emotions too, but Mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of, um, yeah. And it, I think it's it sometimes for people to even reach out to me, like the phone weighs a thousand pounds for them yeah. to even make that first call or to send out an email and, and, you know, reach out to me. It can be really hard for people. Yes. Because, and because, um, money and finances is an indicator of success, right? Mm-hmm. In our culture, it's all about being successful and you are successful if you have a lot of money. And so there is shame and guilt in that when we haven't managed our money well and we're in a bad spot. And when we're ashamed, we tend to isolate. We're like, no, I'll figure it out on my own. I'll Google. Maybe if I stick my head in the sands, this will just get better. I think a lot of people just wish and hope things get better so they don't have to actually reveal to another human being the choices that they've been making or the condition that they're in. So yeah, it's really tough even at that point, you know, ages 40 to retirement to reach out to a coach and say, I need help. And I'm going to have to reveal all of this to you. And again, I can see why you're so passionate to, you know, let's start when they're young and there's no shame and there's no guilt. There's no baggage here. There's not yeah. a lot of emotion. You know? And hopefully they haven't made huge mistakes yet. I mean, I would say the biggest thing the young people struggle with probably is student loan debt. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, I mean, yeah, maybe they have credit card debt, but it's not going to be tens of thousands of dollars probably, mm-hmm. you know, and they have time. You have time to fix all that thing. That's the thing about, um, you know, getting to people or young high school students and college students is that they have all the time in the world to, you know, save for the future and, um, you know, and fix, you know, fix any kind of problems you get into when you're young so that when you're 50, 
you're not, you know, struggling in this financial mess. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting too, where money can be tied to like your weight as well. Like I remember somebody saying like, if you want to lose weight, start keeping a food diary, you know, so that you're aware of how much food you're eating because we are typically not consciously aware of how many calories we're consuming or how much food we're consuming. The same goes for um, keeping a spending diary. Mm. Like we are typically not aware of how much money we spend on the little things day by day. I remember when I started keeping a food diary and I was writing down things that you don't think about because they're so small, like the coffee, the parking um, meter, you know, tolls, like stuff like that. And I realized I started keeping a spreadsheet of where my money was going. And at the end of the month, it was just like one of those like, (gasps) so I started keeping a column that was just called bad choice. (laughs) (laughs) Bad choice. Should not have spent my money on that. And we do that sometimes, right? And it can be, sometimes it's like clothing. We buy a piece of clothing and then it stays in the closet for the next year. And then we Mm -hmm. give it to Goodwill. You know, it's just bringing some awareness and like, this is just the day-to-day spending, like the amount of awareness you can bring to somebody when you start talking to them about how much interest they're paying on their credit cards or their loans and that sort of thing. Like so much work could be done. Like, I'm just imagining you being like, if I could just get my hands on them. (laughs) Yeah. And and things like the choices you make when you're young about where to live and what car to drive. Like, Like definitely, I I definitely think, you know, mindless spending on lattes is important and can add up, but really what's critical is how much are you spending on a house? You know, how much are you spending on a car? Like when people come to me and they, and they have a $600 car payment and I, I say something about the size of their car payment and they're like, oh, is that high? And I'm like, yeah, that's, I will say that sounds high to me. Um, but people that have no perspective. So the, it's the big choices. A lot of times you're making those choices when you're younger. And so kind of letting them know that those choices make a difference and, you know, have this huge, these consequences later in life. I absolutely agree. One of the biggest financial decisions I make now, it's always tough to look back and go, would I have done something differently? Because, you know, we have our experiences based on the certain choices we make. But without really thinking about it, at the age of 17, because I was going to be paying for college by myself, my parents said, you can make this choice on your own. You know, like it's your money. You can choose where to go to school. And I chose to go to a private school rather than the state college for no other reason than my sister was going there. And I was like, oh, well, then this will be convenient. I will have family at school and family is important to me, right? Like nobody else was like, if somebody had sat down with me with a financial calculator and had said, this is how much money you will owe at the end of this school. And this is how much money you will owe at the end of this school. Now it's always tough to go back and think, well, where would my life had ended up if I'd gone to that school instead of that school? But when I think about it, like that was a really important decision. I probably shouldn't have been making on my own at the age of 17. When yeah. I had no concept of financial consequences, none, right. none, you know, and that was a big deal. I did end up owing tens of thousands of dollars in student loans, you know. Um, so you're right. We do. We think that, you know, people are young and it's fine, but they are making some pretty big financial decisions even in their teenage years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely. 
Okay. So Allison, you threw out some words when you talked about doing this event, such as my fear and overwhelm and all of that. One thing I know about you is that, you know, typically if it's fine and you have an idea, like it's done, it is done. So it is striking that this has been on your mind for a year and you haven't gotten to it. And as you know, from the energy leadership assessment, it's stress that takes us off track right? It holds us back and keeps us from our goals. And so what I'm hearing in in this, and this does align with your results from the energy leadership assessment is when, you know, you're afraid it's not going to go according to plan. That's going to cause you stress. Yeah. And then you avoid making decisions. You know, what's funny (laughs) is you've put together the curriculum. So that, that has been made you know, like in, in that regard, but you haven't made any decisions of like, well, where am I going to do it? And how am I going to market it? And that sort of, thing. so essentially this program is done. It's just not marketed and delivered. Yeah. And I mean, I could even have it at my office. I was thinking, oh, the benefit is I have six chairs so I could limit it to five people. So it won't feel empty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if people don't show up. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I have a place I could have it mm-hmm. that might be a good place to start. But yeah, I mean, I think it's really like marketing, you know, kind of pull it, like polishing it and putting it out to the world. And I'm just not, not doing that right now. <laughs> Let's take a quick break to talk about my sponsor, Text Expander, because Text Expander is all about making things quick. Text Expander 6.5 for Mac OS and 2.0 for Windows sports a new visual editor for snippets. The new editor makes it easier to see and edit snippet fill-ins, dates and date math, nested snippets, and more. You can insert words, phrases, forms, templates, and more with just a couple key clicks everywhere you type. Take control of your time and your productivity by letting Text Expander handle your repetitive typing tasks. And I love using this tool. And if you love telling everybody about Text Expander, you can join their affiliate program to earn a little extra. Now, go to textexpander.com forward slash podcast and select women taking the lead from the drop down list for 20% off your first year. Again, to get 20% off your first year using Text Expander, go to textexpander.com forward slash podcast and select women taking the lead from the drop down list. Okay. So let me ask you this, because typically, I mean, group coaching programs could be of any size. What would make this, in your mind, what would make this distinct from doing, say, a workshop? I don't know. I mean, I guess it would have elements of a workshop because it would be informational. Um, Yeah, maybe group coaching isn't the right word. I'm thinking kind of both, kind of Mm -hmm. informational. Like, you know, the first one would be basic financial literacy and things like, you know, compound interest and, and, you know, budgeting and that sort of thing. And then I guess I was thinking of, but not just me talking to them, Mm -hmm. also us all having a conversation together. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess it's part of it. I've never done any sort of group coaching thing. So I don't know what it's supposed to look like. Well, when you think about it in your mind, you're in the room, they're in the room. Like, 
how are you interacting with them? Are you sitting? Are you standing? Are you moving around? Like what, what does it look like? It probably sitting. Yeah, probably sitting. Okay. (laughs) I'm usually just more comfortable in that, you know, Uh, Yeah, I'm usually more comfortable kind of sitting at the table with people when I talk to them. Yeah, and it's not to say like if this were to become a workshop that you couldn't be like the workshop leader who sits at the table. Like typically we think of people standing and delivering information, but what uh, the sense I'm getting is you are looking for that more intimate interaction with people. Now at its best, like if having people show up wasn't a problem, what would be the limit on the number of people you would want to work with at one time? I think probably maybe 10 to 12. Okay. Okay. And your, you said your concern earlier was that you were afraid like people wouldn't show up. What's, what's the fear there? I don't know. I mean, I think it has value. Um, and so I don't know why I think people wouldn't show up. I mean, part of it is I think the, a lot of times the way I reach out to people is through Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess part of it is I don't know how I would reach people of that demographic. Um, although I have had a lot of clients who talk about their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have thought I could go through my, some of my recent clients who I know have kids of that age. Yep. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of it is, I don't know where the kids hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. God, I've never felt so old. Um, so I think that, I think that's a lot of it is, I think there are plenty of people in that demographic in their 20s who would find this really valuable and be excited to come. But I don't know how to find those people. Oh, okay. Um, have you heard of the adulting school in Portland? Yes. I spoke at their first... Um, at their, they had a summit, like a, a, so they had six speakers and I spoke at that and it was great. It was great. Okay. What um, was the demographic of that crowd? Well, it was skewed a little older than what I was, I think what they were expecting and what I was expecting, but there were definitely people, I would say it was like late twenties, early thirties. Okay. What was the summit? About? Um, so they had a full day, um, like 10 to four, um, event at one Longfellow square and they had six speakers. So it was, it was actually three financial, um, and then one meditation, one, um, relationship. So it was about the Cinderella myth, but it was really interesting. And I think it was really well received. Okay. And for the summit, the demographic, you said they were surprised the demographic ran that way because I'm, I'm guessing they typically attract a little bit of a younger crowd. I shouldn't say they were surprised. I was surprised given what they told me. <laughs> okay. So they may not, I, this was at the very beginning when they first started. Yes. Um, it was three years ago. Okay. I'm just going to throw this out there. It might be worth checking back in with the people who are running the adulting school to see yeah. what their demographic is and see if there's a collaboration you might yeah. be able to pursue just as an idea. Because like th- this is the thing right now is like the big stumbling block is like, I don't know where they hang out. Where do I find them? But if the adulting school does in fact draw people in their mid-20s to their events, well, then they probably have a list of people that they could promote you to, you know, or you could yeah. do a talk where essentially at the end of the talk, you then upsell 
into this group coaching program um, per se, it's a you know because at this point it's about getting in front of them, and you did say that you could reach out to some of your clients who have kids right. in that age range as well, and I'd be curious too, like, um, and, and I I think I know the answer to this from what you're saying. Have you had the chance to do some market research to see if that age group would be interested in the topics that you're thinking about covering? No, it wouldn't even occur to me where to start. <laughs> okay. Start with what we were just talking about with your clients um, and and their kids. Would they be willing to you know take a quick survey or to chat with you like over the phone or on a Zoom call for like mm-hmm. ten minutes where you can just gauge is this something you're interested in? You know, what I would even be curious for someone in their mid twenties, like on a scale of one to ten, like how financially literate would you describe yourself? One being, you know, like. Yeah. I, I've just totally screwed up my finances. Five being I can balance my checkbook. I know my interest rates and all of that. And ten being like I've got <laughs> I've got lots of bank. You know, <laughs> no problems there. You know, I'd be curious how someone in their mid twenties would rate themselves because, like, I for myself, and I feel like I'm I was a little more financially literate than my you know the average peer in that age group, and I still felt a little out of control and like I could have learned a little bit more. I did um, have the chance to take a consumer math class in high school, but they'd since taken that class out of the the high school curriculums. So a lot of kids weren't learning how to file their taxes, apply for a loan, how to, how to, um, calculate interest and what how much you were going to pay on interest uh, depending on the APR, how to balance your checkbook, like all sorts of stuff, like credit cards and what it would, like if you made this purchase today and it took you like <laughs> two months to pay it off, like what ultimately would you have paid for that item? You know, this is all stuff that is a little mind-blowing if you haven't studied it, if you haven't right. heard from somebody. So that would be really great. Who else do you know who have relatives or people in their networks in that age group? Yeah, I was thinking my old nanny is now probably 30 and she's back in the Portland area. And, and uh, I feel like she and I know, I just, I see on Facebook, she and I, I think have kind of a crossover of um, acquaintances. So I was actually thinking about reaching out to her because I feel like she knows a lot of people and she would be able to, um, I think, give me good guidance on, you know, her perception of what would be valuable. Cause now that you're talking, I think, I think maybe less of a workshop and more coaching, like you're saying of what people's, what are people's problems and what do they want to bring to the table to talk about might be useful. I think. Cause I think I had in mind, like one week we talk about buying a house, saving for a house and what do you need? Like, what do you need to prepare for that? Um, And in my mind, I was thinking, Oh, bring in a professional, like a mortgage broker and have them talk about it. Um, but maybe that's like step two. <laughs> maybe step one is like, what are your most basic financial concerns and needs? And yeah. what do you want to talk about? Yeah. And of course, because we're both coaches, I, I totally want to dive in and be like, what are your values? What are your why? You know, like, how are you going to make decisions? Like, what are you basing your decisions on? Like having that groundwork done of, you know, what scares you about money? What holds mm-hmm. you back? You know, where do you feel like you're lacking knowledge about money? And and some of this you can even do pre-work on. Um, but yeah, like knowing, you know, what you value, because like you said before, like they could be making a choice, like buying a house because of square footage, not thinking about, well, what's the commute? 
mm-hmm. going to be like? Or what are the schools like? And are you going to have to sell this house in three years? Cause your, you know, your two-year-old is going to be in school in three years. You know, I think yeah. most, a lot of parents are mostly thinking about that, but there are certain things that factor into these decisions that I don't think we think through. There are always surprises on the other side of a big purchase. And, you know, can, can we like narrow that, that blind spot a little bit? The other thought I was having too was, you know, as you start interacting and meeting more people who are in their mid twenties is asking them, you know, where would I go to get in, you know, in front of more people in your age range, you know, that sort of thing. It seems like a weird question to ask, like, where are you guys hanging out? (laughs) But maybe there's a social platform that's really big for that age group that we're not aware of. Like Facebook is is not big for people who are in their twenties. You know, they're on Snapchat and they're on Instagram and who knows, there's probably another platform that's been, you know, becoming big in the past year or so that we haven't heard about because we're 20 years past you know, where they are right now. We're, we're hanging out with a different age group in different places. Um, so they could provide more insight into, you know, where do they gather and, you know, where are they finding this information? Yeah, no, I think those are great ideas. I think reaching out to some of my clients and one of my clients, her daughter had been a client of mine. So she's probably 30. And so I could definitely, I'm sure she'd be willing to talk to me. So Um, I think that's a great idea, reaching out to people kind of in that demographic and just finding out, you know, what do you think people would want and and where do you think I should go to kind of let people know that I'm offering this? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I think in terms of marketing, it's always a case of, you know, people have to be drawn by two different things. Like they're either in so much pain, they realize they can't not, you know, (laughs) do this anymore. or the, the benefits of what you're offering are so great, you know, and for lack of a better term, like sexy. They're so mm-hmm. like, oh, if I did this, I would have that. I would be able to do this and, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, it's like when you hear, you know, this one decision can impact whether you retire with $2 million or, you know, a half a million dollars. Like, which would you prefer? Like, and you have to, you have to have this knowledge and, and make these decisions in order to get there. Um, definitely attracts people when you're ready to start marketing it, thinking about those things, like alleviating the humongous pain of it all. And financial burden is, is painful. It can be soul sucking, but then also like, you know, the like paradise that can be on the other side of having this information. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Allison. Is, is there anything else that's holding you back from, you know, moving forward with this group coaching program at this point, knowing that you're still in the R&D phase of it? Um, <laughs> I was going to say no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the dumbest thing is actually like creating a little, like a, the marketing materials for it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's literally the dumbest thing. And I'm sure anybody else would be like, I can, I can do something in 20 minutes, but that actually feels a little overwhelming to me. Okay. Um, No, it's not, it's not dumb at all because this is the thing. And this is what stress looks like. It it's, you know, we, it's easy to identify the big things. I'm afraid nobody's going to show up. I don't even know how to market this. I don't even know how to find this crowd. Those are the big stuff. You know, the little things like, I'm not good at graphic design. I'm not good at p- putting it all together. Although that wouldn't stop you from ultimately doing the group coaching, how long would you procrastinate? 
Oh, a very long time. <laughs> yes. You know, so it sounds silly, but it's a big deal. If it's, if it's a stressor for you, it's a stressor and it's going to mess with you. There are definitely like graphic designers. And, and I even had a guest on my podcast one time that like put together Word documents for people that were just beautiful, that looked like they had been created in, you know, Photoshop and, and right. all of that stuff. And when all else fails, you just put on Facebook to your entire network. I'm trying to create a PDF. Does anybody know anybody? Like, you you know, it's the looking for recommendations mm-hmm. option that you can put out there. Like when you see other people's materials, like ask who did it and who put it together. But I can definitely make some recommendations for you. Oh, good. Okay. Anything else? No, honestly, now I'm kind of excited about this. And um, I'm thinking in my head, like through my Rolodex, my mental Rolodex of like, who can I reach out to? And um, yeah, I think I, I, I think I have a little bit better vision of what it would look like. Um, and I, I'm actually really excited to make some progress and to find out maybe not instead of just what I think I should talk about, find out what, what people would want to hear about and would want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I feel, I feel good now. <laughs> yeah. Get that survey together. And then if it's going to be in person, you know, have the questions, you know, documented. So you know what to ask them in terms of like what their fears are, what they want to talk about, would they be interested? And you know, what's really exciting about this whole opportunity. What I find is when I'm putting together programs, like whether they're ultimately exactly what I wanted them to look like or not, oftentimes it's in the marketing of it that I start making new connections, gain new clients that have nothing to do with the program, you know, find find speaking opportunities, like, because, you know, when we're, it's fun to be in, you know, the, the development stage, right? You put the curriculum together. That was enjoyable for you because you love this topic. You're so Mm -hmm. passionate about it and, and you're good at that stuff. You know, the next step is what tends to scare people, but it also has tremendous opportunity. If you see the opportunity in it and going back to the energy leadership assessment, right? Whenever we're feeling stuck or powerless, it's looking for the opportunity and everything. So as you're reaching out to these current clients or even former clients, like what's the opportunity and just reconnecting with some of these people, reconnecting with the adulting school, you know, and, and, you know, and also, you know, still asking all of those people, is there somebody else I should be talking to? You know, is there some other avenue? Because you and I know of the adulting school, but there might be another organization or group out there that is looking to meet the needs of people in their 20s. I'm thinking of meetup.com too. They have groups in there that are just for people in their 20s. Yeah, that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So cool. Anything else that I can support you with today? No, I think that's the thing that's sort of been hanging over my head. Um, but I feel good. I feel like I think I'm unstuck now. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, Allison, everyone's had a chance to get to know you a little bit better. But anything else you want to say? And then also let people know where they can find you because there's probably somebody listening who's like, I need to sign up my kid <laughs> for um, that group coaching program. Yeah. Well, my website is alisonbishop.com. It's A-L-L-I-S-O-N bishop.com. Um, and I have a Facebook page, um, which is Allison Bishop Financial Coach, I think. Um, but you can find me if you just... We can, yeah. If yeah. You we'll have the it. link. In the- <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, if you put it in the search bar, Allison with two L's, Bishop on Facebook, you'll definitely find the page. And yeah. I'll also have the link in the show notes that are accompanying this episode. And by show notes, I always forget. I like sometimes people don't understand that. It's just the blog post that accompanies the episode on the Women Taking the Lead website. So Allison, thank you so much for putting yourself in the hot seat. It's a very vulnerable position to put out there like what you're struggling with. So I so appreciate you. And I hope for you listening that you got tons of value out of this episode. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, so good. And for those of you listening, I want you to take a look at if there's anything in your life that you know you want to be doing or moving forward with, and it's just not happening. Take a look at where you're questioning yourself, where you have doubt. Those are the things that are getting in the way from you taking action and moving forward. And the sooner you identify and address those very things, the sooner you will be on your way. Your goal is never that far away. It's just our doubts, our uncertainty, the unknowns slow us down and keep us from taking action. That's what takes so long. Like Allison said, at the very end, the little things, the graphic design, putting together the, the workbooks would have had her procrastinate for a long time. These are the little niggly things that can get in our way. So again, I'm really going to invite you to take a look. Those things you really want to be accomplishing and doing, and you're just not finding the time because usually time and energy is the re is the excuses we make for why we can't move forward with something. So those things you just can't seem to find the time to do or just don't seem to be making happen. Those are the things you want to take a closer look at and see where the opportunity lies. And I have an update for you as well, because as Allison and I were um, chatting via email about the release of this episode, she shared with me some things that have been going on. So I would love to read a portion of that for you. So Allison told me, you'll be glad to know I've made progress on that coaching slash workshop series that is the subject of the episode and have reached out to a couple of people in my target demographic and also joined Mary Trace's Facebook group and we will see where that takes me. I've been spending my time making a lot of progress working on getting corporate clients to have me in for employee financial wellness programs, which I think may turn into a core offering of my business and serve as a stable source of income. But I'm still hoping to do programming focused on the younger demographic, and I really appreciate your help getting me unstuck on that front. No matter what the outcome turns out to be, it didn't feel good to have something on my radar that I wasn't making progress towards. And I am still using and thinking about those energy levels in all aspects of my life. So for those of you listening, so gratifying to hear Allison is back, you know, in the arena, taking action, doing things. And if you also need help, please reach out to me. I am at Jody, J-O-D-I, at womentakingthelead.com. I would love to support you if there's anything you need support with. So as always, I hope this was of value to you, and here's to your success. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. And to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. 
Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.